fellas, don't drink that coffee. was fitting I didn't know he was the lead singer of Wax oh was he yeah so when you said to Southern California I made me think of that song oh gonna make my way to Southern California wait he was the singer of that band yeah is that the video where the guy's running in slow motion on fire yeah oh that's cool and he was in 22 Jacks that's a, that was a good song yeah it was a great song um I sang it all weekend because I was drunk what did you think of this next episode of Twin Peaks? Um, this is kind of a weird one. It's a weird one, but um, Heather Graham, bro. You're a Heather Graham fan. How could you not be? Yeah, no, she's great. Um, I mean, she's not like some amazing actress, and I think she knows it. So she just like goes along? Yeah, she's just Heather Graham in it. She does her thing. She's like the Billy Zane of Heather Graham's. <laughs> dude zane and graham i mean i don't know yeah well this the is show a, became a different show for me basically our podcast is called dish in the percolator this is episode 17 of season two it's called wounds and scars um my name's sean o'donnell with me as always is dallas mclaughlin dallas how are you hi i'm good i'm gonna eat a chip eat a chip this was written by Barry Pullman, who's written a few episodes, and it was directed by James Foley. Dallas, do you know who James Foley is? Was he the guy that wrote Pieces of Me? Uh-uh. Why that, is, why? Are you saying a million... You're talking about the guy who like faked his biography? A million little pieces. Yeah. That was James Gray. James Foley directed Glengarry Glenn Ross. Oh wow! Yes, this def this episode definitely has like a some different tones happening. Um, <laughs> My wife is texting me. Piece of me is Brittany. <laughs> <laughs> Let's just get her on the show. Um, yeah, someday. So this episode starts out with Harry, uh, the deep jazz of. Truman's lament. Um, he's like really drinking himself into an authentic woodsy drunk. Um, and by the way, you would too if your girlfriend was a doorknob. So when he <laughs> when he finally comes to as as all of us would wish for this to be the case, Hawk is just there with breakfast. Um, don't you wish every morning when you were like hungover? After a really like long night of drinking, Hawk would just be there with like some eggs. Yeah. Well, this is a little weird to admit, but <clears throat> Hawk is there right now with breakfast. No. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, he's there. Yeah, he's there. He's he actually just took my dog for a walk. He's very helpful. So Harry has been at the bookhouse drinking ever since uh, 
poor Josie passed away. He's got a bottle of Jack. He is just going through some dark times. Um, and he has this kind of very, you know, like, it's a pretty simple town. It used to be. And I guess the world just caught up to us. Um, which is true. Twin Peaks is no longer a simple town. If it was before the show started, uh, people are getting sent into doorknobs. It's, uh, it's definitely not, not simple anymore. Our pets' heads are falling off. Exactly. So this is when we're finally introduced to Heather Licensed to Drive Graham, who is playing the character Annie Blackburn, who is Norma's sister. Um, her backstory is she was a nun. She's obviously escaped, not escaped. She's left the convent, um, and she's going to put on the, the turquoise uniform and work at the double R. So like a few episodes ago, no one worked at the double R, and now everyone does. Um, uh, well, I mean, here's the deal. <clears throat> Times were tough. Customers were leaving, and now they're back. Okay. Um, at the end of this scene, though, the log lady sees the marks on Major Briggs' neck, and she touches them. Um, we'll find out more about this later. So back at the station, Cooper is now in charge. He's the kind of uh, head cheese now that Harry is on a like drinking vacation. It all seems very like, it's cool, he's just going to go drink, and then he'll come back. Um Doc Hayward had performed the autopsy. Autopsy couldn't actually determine a cause of death, and he said that she only weighed 65 pounds uh, when she died, which is crazy. Um, yeah. And there's no news at this point from Wyndham Earl. Um, speaking of Wyndham Earl, we get that kind of really cool shot of the road. I, I, was, I mentioned it, and it opened one of the episodes um, that's something they must have shot when they shot the pilot. But then we cut to uh, Wyndham Earl's, like, whatever it is, is like flute hut. Um, and he's doing some kind of weird. You need to slow down the chips, dude. No, that was my cop. Guess how many things Heather Graham has been in? Oh, dude, I don't know. Like over 100. Like as an actress. Over 100. No. Oh. But 91. She'll be there soon. She'll be there very soon. It's weird to me, though. She has had such a weird career. Because I was like, you know, most of us only heard of her because swingers. No, dude, dude. License to Drive. Uh, well, I, but then later I figured out that she was the girl from License to Drive. No, no, she no. was also... License to Drive, dude. I saw her in that movie. I know. Mercedes, dude. She yes. was Mercedes Lane. Do you love that movie the way I love that movie? Uh, my brother used to watch that movie to no end because I think he had a crush on Corey Haim. And... So I I grew up loving that movie by default. Um, but she was in Twins and then License to Drive, Drugstore Cowboy. What was she in Twins? She was the young girl, like the you know how their moms were young. Oh yeah 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 yeah. Yeah, she was in I Love You to Death, which was a great Kevin Klein movie. But then like she starts doing weird movies like Shout, Guilty as Charged, then Twin Peaks, then she was in Digstown. Yeah. Then she was in Firewalk with me. She is in Firewalk with me. She does like, I don't know, it's so weird. She'll do like three movies that are hugely famous. Yeah. 
like six degrees of separation. Even cowgirls get the blues. And then she'll do desert winds. <laughs> oh, what a weirdo. She's great, though. She was great in Swingers. And uh, freaking Boogie Nights, dude. Roller Girl. Yep. All right. All, sorry. Always Roller Girl. Um, so, so do it. What? Okay. So Windermere when, when, playing the flute. Windermere's flute hut. Um, and he's doing some. Okay. Let's just take a moment here. And I want to know, like, take your temperature on Windermere. Cold. You're not into it. I was when he seemed a lot more mysterious, but the more I get to know him, the more I just wish he was Jacoby. Okay. Like, I feel like we have a character in Twin Peaks that's this character, and it's Jacoby, and it, I prefer Russ Tamlin. But Jacoby's not, like, evil, right? But they could have made him evil. Yeah. Huh. I mean, it might not have worked, but yeah. I'm just saying, like, we have the eccentric crazy guy. Yeah. And now we have and a citric crazy guy. I think it's based. I, I think it's based on you just missing Russ Tamblin. Maybe. <laughs> Don't say maybe. Okay, so no. The the whole point of the scene is that uh, when Earl receives Cooper's move, he realizes that Cooper's getting help. Right. Th- these are moves that Cooper would not have played on his own, and this pisses him off. So he's really pissed. Because you know he's, he says he's not playing by the rules, and he says people are going to regret this. Um, and at the end, there's like a close-up of his wedding ring while he flutes, while he flouts. Flouts. Um, oh, this this whole thread here is kind of a drag. So they're doing this like fundraiser thing for the weasel and the stop Ghostwood, and um, so there is a funny line where Audrey says, you need to talk to Pinkle. Who We've met Pinkle before. This is Squiggy. He was the guy yeah. who sold, uh, sold um, Shelly and Bobby that bed. Um, Bobby? Shelly? I, I don't know how he's involved, why he's involved in this, but anyway, he is. But Dick Tremaine has a great line where he says, what's a Pinkle? Um, <laughs> yeah. And then, dude, J.J. Dubs shows up, and this is my favorite outfit in the whole show. He has like a corduroy, brown corduroy, <coughs> like overcoat and like that hat. And it's incredible. Yeah. It's so good. And I have to find it and I want to buy it, whatever it was. Well, it's Billy Zane. It is so, it's just the best. There's two of my favorite outfits are in this episode and that's one of them. Um, Basically, so, I imagine that this is what Billy Zane wears when he goes to the woods. Dude, so good. Okay, so Coop finally goes to see Harry, and um, and I, I hate this because he's like telling him all this really like stuff. Okay, our, Harry already knows Josie was like a bad human being, but then he's like telling her like more and more stuff, and we know that Harry is drunk and he's depressed, and it's like, why are you? Don't turn the screw. Come on, like let. Like, tell him later. Because he even says, like, eventually it's going to help you to know all these things. It's like, eventually. Maybe not what we understand to be, like, less than 24 hours after she died. Do you have to say that she was, like, a prostitute in Hong Kong? Just, like, give him some time. Yeah, I see what he's trying to do, though. He's trying to kick him kick him out of it. She's in a doorknob, dude. Well, if you've seen Alice in Wonderland, the doorknob plays a very big part. In what? In Alice in Wonderland. (laughs) 
Are you saying Josie is that is that character? Is this oh. the, is this the or, is this the origin story? <laughs> yeah, it, is, it definitely is. Oh, um, Cooper's the white rabbit. So, at the um, Martell Packard residence, um, we've seen her already, but it's the woman from Sports Night. Wait, what? What's her name? The the one who's try- who like is in love with Casey. She plays Jones in this. Why did I not notice this at all? You know what I'm talking about? So at the end of this episode, she gets in bed with Harry. Oh, no. That's not the same girl. Yes, it is. No, there's no way. I'm going to look it up right now. Look there's it up no right way. now. It's totally her. You're thinking one of the two main girls in Sports Night. So, not there's Natalie Huffman. The, and then there's Natalie, who's the brunette. Not her, the other one who is in love with Casey. And Casey almost, like, they almost date or they used to date. It's totally her. Oh, Dude, don't, don't screw it. This, these are two of my favorite shows. So, nope, that's Natalie. Okay, who else? There's Kayla Blake, who's Kim. No, not Kim. Um, Rose Colasante? No. She played Billy. No. Terry Polo. Sally Sasser? Yes, Sally Sasser. I'm going to look it up right now. Okay. Looking up to see if she was Jones in Twin Peaks. Oh, my God. She's been in 121 things. More than Heather Graham. More than Heather Graham. Well, Heather I, Graham was more selective. Am I right? Am I right about I'm, Sally Sasser? Not, I'm getting there. i got to scroll down quite a bit. Dude, I'm so right. <laughs> I know it. Tell me I'm right. Uh, okay. She was in Stepfather 3. Mm-hmm. Yep. 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 Oh. Jones, four episodes. Dingo. The dingo ate your baby. That's crazy. I, <clears throat> I would know. not have remembered Sally Sasser. That's crazy. You are not a Sports Night fan. It's fine, dude. Don't cool. ever say that again. I, I'll say it all the time because she was a big part of that show. Well, I have to. She was only in that show for seven episodes, so not that big. That show was only like 10 episodes long. It was three seasons. Keep going. Okay, here we go. So she has come to expedite Eckert's body back to Hong Kong. Although she was there, she checked Eckert into the great Northern. So she's just been there the whole time anyway. Um, and then her, uh, she was saying that Eckert and Joseph are going to be buried side by side. She leaves a gift from Thomas and it's this box, right? And that's all we see. Yeah. It's the script to sports night. Um, <laughs> I've been offered this show. Be, I want you to read over it and tell me what you think. It'd be a great gift. That was Aaron Sorkin's first show. Um, so, this Imagine is, if Aaron Sorkin wrote an episode of Twin Peaks. Dude, don't. It'd be the weirdest episode. Cooper would have amazing dialogue. Oh, it'd be incredible. Yeah, it'd be pretty great. That's somebody um, who should work with Sorkin is Kyle McLaughlin. Let's tweet him right now and ask him to do this. Um Okay, were you a new, were you a newsroom guy? Do you like newsroom? Uh, oh yeah, I enjoyed newsroom. Yeah, I did too. I dude, I love I love Studio sixty. On the, I like I don't care. I'm a I enjoyed Studio sixty too. I, I get I, I, the sketches were bad, but I still liked the show. Well, <clears throat> yeah, the sketches were awful, but like Sorkin is a really Sorkin writes dialogue like nobody else. Yeah, and 
Studio 60 was a fun show. Was Newsroom fun. was very fun. Yeah. His shows, was, his shows are fun, dude. Sports Night was great. And the West Wing was awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Um, okay, so Wintermerle goes to the Hayward house, posing as a f- doctor friend of Doc Hayward. Um, Donna lets him in, and they make small talk. He's kind of, like, you know, very charming. He leaves a gift for her dad, and that's it. Like, he doesn't kill her. We kind of, like, he left the last scene going, like, people are going to pay. And you're like, oh, no, what is he going to do? And then he just, like, leaves a gift, and it's like, is it a bomb? It's not a bomb. Um, so this is the scene where Pete Pete has, like, a bunch of chess boards at the station, and he's, he, basically, Cooper's asking him to, try to get through this chess match with like no one dying. And he references all the classic stalemate games. He calls one of them. He says the classic herbsman. Um, but basically the whole point is like, you can't, you can't end the game without losing anyone else. You, you're doing, you're going to lose a certain amount of chess pieces. Um, so Cooper's kind of like, you know, we're, we're just gonna have to do our best. Um, so then that's when the, Logretti and Briggs come to tell Cooper about how the markings that they had were somewhat similar. So we know that Major Briggs a few episodes ago was abducted or whatever. He went out into the woods with Cooper and then he was gone. And we came back, he had those that kind of triangle marking on his neck. The log lady has something similar on her is it her calf, I think, and it's not the same um exact tattoo but it's similar to it it's twin peaks and she talks about how she was seven um she mentions that the only other time she had an experience like that was when her husband died in a fire and at this point we don't really know a ton about her husband other than he passed away um he passed away in a fire but it's kind of mysterious um we head to the picnic that's happening right now between audrey and um JJ Dubs, double J Dubs. Um, and he's like singing to her with the hat and the corduroy jacket. And yeah, they're going to, yeah. it's going to be a thing. I'm in, I'm on board with Billy Zane. Like, I don't care. You're, you're, you're signed on. Basically what they did was they went, like, you know, all the coolness of James is lost in the fact that James is terrible to watch. Uh, so let's make him Billy Zane. <laughs> and then they did that. And then now he's Billy Zane. Audrey's character is so weird because it's like she was going to hook up with Cooper. Like that was kind of planned. And then I think Kyle McLaughlin said no. And then it was like she was going to hook up with Bobby. Like there was at least three episodes where that was <clears throat> kind of headed that way. And then they were like, you know what? No, let's give her like a real guy. Yeah. Yeah, but again, why is she not in high school? They all, they're all, why are none of them in high school? It doesn't make any why sense. Why was Donna home when uh, Winnemarle, as posing as Gerald Craig, by the way, came to the house? So Gerald, so her dad comes home and he's like, Gerald Craig, there's no way he was here. We were roommates and he drowned. Um, but what Winnemarle has delivered is a chess piece, and it's basically, you know, his next move. Um, which it's like, oh, okay. I don't know. It's just it was kind of like you thought he was gonna like you know take one of Donna's fingers or something, but 
No. Yeah. It, yeah. <clears throat> I don't like, get why like, he knew. Like, by the way, Doc Hayward doesn't even, like, call the cops. He just goes, like, be careful. Well, I, well, yeah, Doc Hayward has been through the ringer these past few months. <laughs> Doc Hayward has had a lot of, a lot of action, seen a lot of things. Um, yeah, I'm confused by how he knew about his old friend that died. Sure. Well, I mean, we know what we know when him wrong was FBI. He has, you know, this is true. Um, so this next scene follows the thread. And we were talking about this last episode where it's like at, um, the Hurley house, Ed and Nadine are there and Jacoby has come. So you obviously Ed called Jacoby to the house to be like, look, <laughs> I'm trying to figure out how to do this, right? And so Jacoby is watching the two of them talk about basically separating, you know, like, how do I do this? You know, <clears throat> Nadine doesn't quite understand what they're talking about. And so, you know, there's no kind of way to like step around it. So finally, Jacoby says, you know, Nadine, we're talking about you guys getting a divorce. And um, it's really kind of an interesting way that she pulls this off where she's just like kind of going, oh, I don't want you you and Mike to fight. Okay, well, maybe just once. And right when he says (laughs) divorce, she goes, she kind of has a moment where she steps back into character and says, I think I've gone blind in my my whatever eye she's blind in. Yeah. It's like it kind of just like snapped her out of it for a second. But it's really subtle, and the way she does it, it's pretty great. Um, yeah, totally. But anyway, um, yeah, it was an interesting. Uh, it was an interesting scene. Like I'm still like I love the way Ed's playing it, where he's just like mouth open the whole time, mm-hmm, <laughs> like mm-hmm. doesn't know what to do, waiting to be beaten up. Because because he's like very cautious about it, you know, like. Yeah. Anyway, I love I love this storyline because it's so complicated with him being like, Okay, is this cool? This is cool, right? Is this <laughs> yeah. cool? You know? And her basically just giving him all indications like, Yes, of course, I'm, you know, in love with my high school boyfriend. Um Yeah. But that moment and if you watch the way um she kind of snaps when he says divorce, it's pretty great. Um yeah. So, okay, so Ben Horn, we've had issues with Ben Horn and the whole, like, where he's going next, but there's a new Ben plot line that's kind of revealed here where back at the Hayward house, Donna sees Ben show up, and when her mom, Eileen, opens the door, Ben takes her hand and whispers in her ear, and we're like, what is happening here? Yeah. Right? Were you at all? Were you like, did you not care about this? Uh, no, I mean, it was... It's a thing that happened. And I, the, what I've kind of come become used to with this show is like, these little things like this happen, and they might get explained, and they might not. Sure. No, that's true. That's true. <laughs> so, like, unless there's more to them in the same episode, I kind of just... Yeah, and Wait. there's and in this episode we don't find out what that all was all about. Yeah, so I kind of just like I'm like, oh yeah, okay, well maybe they'll talk about it in another episode. Sure. Or maybe just uh, you know 
Bill Pullman's dad had an idea for a second. And Bill Pullman's dad. Wait, wait, um, so I love this next scene. So um, back of the double R, Norma shows Shelly. And I think this is the first time this is mentioned that they're having the annual Miss, Miss Twin Peaks contest is coming up. <laughs> yes. Please don't die on our podcast. I'm not, but I think this Twin Peaks thing is funny to me, but keep going. What, what, no, tell me what's funny. I think it's funny because Shelly reacts to it in a way like she's never heard of it before. <clears throat> yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, how have you not heard of it before? <laughs> well, there's, there's some, ten people in your town. This might have been the first time she's like eligible for it, right? Like she's. Oh wow, you put some thought into this. <laughs> no, I'm just, I'm no, I'm just thinking right now. Like she's, I think Shelly dropped out, so she's like 18 or 19. So yeah, I'm maybe. guessing you had to be. Um. Anyway, but she's great. Like her, she does that whole impression of like. Miss Double R and stuff. And she's really actually funny. Um, she was one of the actresses who like kind of was discovered for the show, but she's, she's good. I think she's good. Um, yeah. She, I never <laughs> had a problem with Shelly. Earl is there and he is kind of playing this like biker dude, um, which we're like, okay, we, we get it. He's into costumes, but the, the uh, wrench is twisted because Cooper sits down across from him. And so we get to kind of watch Cooper through. Dude, will you go? Will you get a glass of water or something? I do have a glass of water. Will you please drink all of it? I've been drinking it. It's not going to help, dude. I have a cold. Um, So what I love about this scene is you get kind of Earl's perspective on Cooper meeting Annie, you know? Because Cooper's like so smitten with her. You could tell right away. But it's kind of like the perspective of him watching it is really great knowing what we know about their history. Um, and now, so did I miss anything in the fact that this, that Heather Graham looks like the ex that they both had or whatever, you know what I mean? She doesn't though. Like, okay. So yeah, no. Um, when you, they, we, we've only seen Carolyn like through her death mask, but there was one kind of thing where they flash back to like a memory of her and she doesn't look like her. Um, there is something to note where we see Annie. They have like she has a scar on her wrist. It, Cooper kind of notices that real quick. But what we've what we've kind of noticed is Cooper's like kind of flirting with her a little bit. Like he's interested in her right right away. Um, but the twist on this is we get to kind of see it through Earl. And then right when you think Cooper's going to spot Earl, because I think even through the disguise, and you could tell Cooper kind of knows something's wrong when he looks over there. Earl's gone. Um, yeah. And this is when I think Hawk comes and tells him there's a problem at the book house. So Coop goes to the book house. Um, Harry is broken, like every single piece of furniture, not nailed down. He's got a gun. Um, and this is when Cooper basically is trying to talk him down. He wants him to give him the gun. Finally, they hug. And there's a Coop or Harry has a line where he says, "There's a whole lot I don't understand," and I was like, "That should be the, the catchphrase of this show." Um, you, you and us both, <laughs> Harry S. Truman. There's a whole lot we don't understand. Yeah. Um. This next scene's kind of fun. It's Mike and Nadine trying to get a room at the Great Northern. Uh, Mike trying to look like he's like fifty. <laughs> Yeah, that's right. He's got the like hat on. Um, Again, I'm on board with the Mike storyline. Yeah, it's great. Anytime you get more more Mike, more Snake. Um, but of course, after giving 
Randy, the the guy Randy, who we've we met, I think last episode, some more. Uh, he's he's giving him a line. Mike runs into two girls from the high school, and um, Nadine, in her impatience, hits the bell so hard she like destroys it, and that's f- wonderful. They yeah. sh- they show the bell just like completely crushed under her hand. Um, I don't know if Mike's gonna survive the night. So. I don't know, man. I have a hard time with how this whole episode ends. I was just thinking about that J.B. Smoove should be in a David Lynch film. I'm so into that. Wouldn't that be, like, really funny? I think J.B. Smoove should be in, like, everything. He's pretty great. I listened to his Mark Maron, and it was really hard to listen to. Because J.B. Smoove, I think, is insane. Yeah, I think so, too. He, but but when, like, like, Larry David, the way he makes him... Like the way he writes <laughs> yeah. for him, it's like there's nothing better. Well, it's like Patrice O'Neill. Like if you ever ask Patrice O'Neill, I mean he's passed away, but in interviews he was awful because he was just kind of insane. Like they would ask him something and he'd go off on like spiritual yeah, weirdness. Yeah. You're like, what are you talking about? But then like if you give tell him to talk about some specific thing, he's like brilliant. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, just a thought. I just I he, like I don't want to deal with the rest of this episode very much because. It it turns it turns into the squirrel scene from Christmas Vacation. Wait, is like, that how this episode ends? It doesn't end that way. But basically, let me go. Let me go through this quick. So this is the stop Ghostwood event. Ben is now the environmentalist, and he's given a speech. Um, I wrote that. I hope there's a lot of pine weasel in season three. Um, <laughs> I was like really sad to not see the pine weasel listed on the cast list. Um, just overrun with pine weasels. There's like a fashion show for some reason, you know, we're like, yeah. well, Lucy your favorite Andy. Dick Tremaine needs more screen time. I actually, Dick Tremaine's one of those guys who's like, not a bad actor, horrible character. Like yeah. he's great as an actor, but I just wish that character was gone. Whereas Josie, I think is like, I like the character. I don't like the actress. Um, telling you there's a in Mad Men the first two seasons of Mad Men there's a character that is in the firm who's an artist who's gay but secretly gay and it is Dick Tremaine yeah like looks and the way they both act I, I, it's I think just, I know I know who you're talking about it, and I'm not saying it has anything to do with the gay thing it's just that's the guy like everyone would know that character because that's the character um, and it's like a big deal in season two especially but yeah. like it's so uncanny how much they look alike and they act alike. It's it's weird. Um, That's there's, all there's, that. <laughs> no, it's good. I know I know who you're talking about too. Like I can picture him. There's there's one kind of cool moment in the scene where Catherine shows up at her own like, you know, this event is against her and she shows up. Like wh- I don't know what she is wearing. It looks like she's wearing. It looks like someone wrapped her in Christmas paper. Like it's so, <laughs> it's the worst. And she's worn a lot of horrible things, and this is the worst thing by far. Um, but they have this kind of great back and forth. I I, li- I do like this scene, and yeah. she asks what this is about, and he has a great line about how he calls it a first scrubbing on one of the dirtiest consciousnesses in the entire Northwest. Um, which is yeah. great. And then, you know, he's asking her to donate to the cause. Yeah, that was um, really funny. <laughs> but then, oh, you know, like, let's move on to the fact that, oh, they actually have a live pine weasel. 
oh, Squiggy. And oh, of course, he gets Dick Tremaine's nose, and the weasel then jumps out into the crowd and he's running around on people are jumping on top of tables there's a woman just like screaming like everyone's dying like yeah. way over the top <laughs> of course john justice wheeler comes in and grabs audrey and kisses her and it's just chaos and i wish bob would show up and just start you know killing everyone um <laughs> maybe bob's in the pine weasel did you ever think about that what happened to the pine weasel? <laughs> yeah, there was that. Actually, it's funny you made the Christmas vacation analogy because when she stood up and was like screaming down at the weasel, it made yeah. me think of the mom in Christmas it's, vacation. It's, it's, I think it's exactly Christmas vacation, by the way. This scene, yeah. um, Christmas vacation came out before it. Yeah, there you go. Um, so then this episode ends with. Back at the at the book house, they had made sure someone was on detail, basically on Harry. And uh, Sally Sasser, Jones shows up and knocks that dude out and then takes off her shirt and gets into bed with Harry. And that's how this episode ends. Um, it's one of the worst endings, I feel like, because like I get, I get that we understand that she's kind of a bad person you know and that like the stakes here is harry's life but -hmm. it's a little like soft of an ending you're like there she didn't like pull out a gun or you know some sort of thing to really hint at like oh he's gonna die it's just kind of like oh what why did she if she was gonna kill him why'd she take her shirt off you know yeah well i didn't think she was gonna kill him i didn't get that yeah, but I'm saying like, well, then what was the whole point? I don't know, but that's like, so I like, think what, it's funny were, sometimes how you pick and choose what you tend to buy into and what you don't on what, the show. What were the stakes of this ending? I mean, we, we've had some great endings in this show, you know? And so what, like the last, like whatever you feel about it, the last ending to the of the show was incredible with Josie, like... You know what I mean? Like, it wasn't just like a... Yeah, her dying was great. But what I'm saying is, like, it was substantial. It was, like, something people still talk about 25 years later. No one talks about Jones just getting into bed with Harry. Like, what was the point? Well, I mean, I don't know because I haven't seen the next episode, but... (laughs) But what could be the point of it? You know what I mean? She's either going to, like, have premarital with him or she's going to kill him. Like, what's she going to do? Give him a back rub? Well, I hope she doesn't kill him because that would be a, a really terrible end for, for sheriff. But what I'm saying is, if she's gonna kill him, then like, why not? Why does she? Why does she take her shirt off? Why doesn't she have just a gun or like a rope well, or a knife or a poison or? Maybe she's like the Black Widow from The Natural. She could be. She could be just like Sally Sasser from Sports Night. She sleeps with him and then she kills him. Just like um. What are the guys' names from Sports Night? I'm so tired. I, uh, I just know their real names. Isn't that <laughs> Casey, Casey McCall? Casey McCall and Stu. No, no, not Stu. Casey McCall is definitely one of them. Yeah, Dan something. Dan Rydell. Dan Rydell. Casey McCall. Sally Sasser is in love with Casey McCall. Real names: Josh Charles and Peter Krause. Yep. Some of the finest actors working in show business. Um, Pete Krause is great. This is one of those episodes where it's important for some reasons, but overall it's a little like, 
Yeah, I think I've been able to tell those episodes pretty early on. Like when they do like the when they get into like the um we're gonna do like a fashion show, I'm like, all right, this one's not gonna mean a whole lot. It's just it's like so going back through and I've obviously I've watched the show a ton, but going back through it this time with you, kind of on the level I've never gone through the show on the level I'm going through where I'm like taking notes, doing my research. It just is frustrating because it it doesn't feel like this action like this isn't Twin Peaks to me, this show, this episode. Huh. It just doesn't represent what the things I love about the show. And I think if it wasn't for the like certain benchmarks the show made for itself, I, I wouldn't care about the show at all. Hmm. And I'm realizing that now going back through it. Like I love these episodes for certain reasons because it's continuing stories and characters I love, but like to me Twin Peaks mostly is like the Laura Palmer kind of story. Like that's what I'm intrigued with. And in some, and in some sense also the Cooper and, and a Wyndham Earl story as well. But these episodes were just kind of like filler to get to the bigger ones. I don't know. It's, it's rough. It is kind of rough, but yeah, I mean, you know, you warned me that we were going to have some filler episodes. Yeah. And so, like, I've been kind of prepping, and it seemed like we were through, like, I, it seemed like we were through the bulk of them. It, we, we were, and then, like, this one reminds me that, like, there's still, like, there's just still stuff that I just wish was just glossed over. Well, you, know? you and David Lynch, I'm sure. Well, I think, and we'll get more into that. But when David Lynch basically takes the ball back, he plays hard, dude. <laughs> so, and I thought about that a lot watching this episode, like watching, like thinking of David Lynch, watching the, the fashion show, just going like, come on, guys, I'm cooking quinoa. Um, like that he went to bat hard for the show he loved. And when we get to the finale, that's which is the next one he directs, we'll go into detail about how hard he decided to do that. Um, yeah. But I think, I think it wasn't just all out of just like, this is my show. I think it might have been, not in retaliation, but just him trying to like bring it home to what he is, kind of his or, uh, original, you know, thought was for the show. And his vision was definitely not the pine weasel biting Dick Tremaine in the nose. Um, I mean, we don't know that, but sure. Yeah. Well, I the guess whole we'll- time he could have been like, we got to work in the pine weasel. <laughs> They're delicious roasted. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm excited. Sorry, hold on. <coughs> don't die. I'm alive, I promise. Okay. Okay. Um. I'm excited to see how the, the the season ends because you keep talking about, and John too, you guys keep talking about how season two ends on such a, a high note. It's hard. So, it's I, hard to say a high note. It just ends in a very oh, man. I don't even know how to describe it. It's all right. a, it's an hour of David Lynch doing Twin Peaks. Well, right, well, then we'll then we'll we'll get there when we get there. Yeah. We got to get there. So we only have, um, we have less than two months, Dallas. 
we have to get through <clears throat> five or six episodes, and we have to get through the movie. We can do it. Okay, we got to try to rip off two weeks. So let's see if we can keep keep up this pace. All right, buddy. Um, tell us again how to follow you on Twitter. At Dallas underscore MC. And as always, you can go to iTunes, buy my album, An Evening of This. Buy it. It's good. Um, you can follow me at Sean T. O'Donnell. And you should uh, subscribe to our podcast on iTunes. And leave us a review if you like Please it. Please do. Yeah. <laughs> um, you can also email us at um, percolatorpod at gmail.com. Or you can tweet us if you have any questions or comments. And um, we will see you next time on Dish and the Percolator. Yay! The pine weasel's delicious. <laughs> Do one more. Right. Do one more. Oh, uh, the pine weasel's delicious. No, no, I mean like a different joke. Oh, um. <laughs> What's a winkle? No. Do one more. <laughs> Sorry. To me, she's always been missing. No, 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 no. Do another take of what's a winkle. What's a winkle? Mmm, yeah. Dig that, Kurtz. Don't let yourself be hurt this time. Don't let yourself be hurt this time. Then I saw your face, then I saw your smile. The sky is still blue, the clouds come and go. Yet something is different. Are we falling in love? Don't let yourself be hurt this time. Don't. Let yourself be hurt this time. Then your kiss so soft, then your touch so warm. The stars still shine bright, the mountains still high. Yet something is different. Yes. Something is different now. The guitar came in. I feel like I'm floating. Floating above a keyboard and a guitar. A guitar. Are we falling in love? Falling. Falling. Are we falling in love? Mmm. That's the ketchup. I like coffee. Donuts. <laughs> Russ Tamblin.